Pulp MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. It is actually Monday, May 23rd, and we are about to kick off this Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship. We've had a couple weekends off, which were nice. I don't know that I would consider myself having weekends off. I've been all over the place. I was in Spain. We had our national sales meeting for Western Power Sports. So it's uh, it's been a chaotic couple of weeks for me, to be completely honest. But um, I am excited for this weekend. I am headed down to uh, sunny California tomorrow, and uh, we'll see some Western Power Sports dealers and prepare for the opening round. Um, If you didn't know, I will be helping out the television broadcast team with the pit reporting side, which I am very excited about. Also nervous, but excited. That's going to be a cool experience for me, and hopefully I don't do a terrible job. But let's talk about some racing. Before we do... I want to thank the sponsors, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, Pro Glow Wash, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. But as I mentioned, it's go time. And I like before the season. I, I, you know, once you get some information, you kind of know what to expect, whatever. I mean, it's, it's all, you know, bench racing is, of course, great. But I like before. I like to speculate on who's going to do what, you know, and, and right or wrong. Try to make some predictions. You know, we have a ton of information on most of these guys over the years, but things change, right? This will be Eli Tomac's first year on the Yamaha in the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship. He's coming off of a Supercross Championship. And if you go back to two years ago, when he won his 2020 Supercross Championship, he wasn't very good outdoors that year. Now, he did win some races, but like if you look back on Eli's historical performance level, I believe he was pretty far off of that, right? And Zach Osborne went on to be your champion and congrats to him. You know, that was a a really feel good story for Zacho. But I can't imagine that Eli felt like that was his best, best performance that summer. You know, that has to be in the back of his mind is like last time I did this kind of sucked all summer. And maybe this is his last Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship ever. Uh, you know, I, I, rumor has it he's only going to do Supercross next year. So maybe he's looking at this as his last hurrah and he needs to get this done. I personally think he's been on his best level ever here in 2022. And as long as his knee is healthy enough to let him ride at 100%, he's going to be a real problem for most of these guys. Now, does that equate a championship? I don't know. Uh, there, there are a lot of uh, other guys in here that we're going to make a case for. That can make life far, hard for him, but you have to think if he's healthy, that he's certainly top three 
almost every weekend. And if you're top three almost every weekend, that's a really difficult scenario to top. So I'm kind of wait and see on Eli. There are a lot of question marks, uh, both health and motivation side. And I don't have a strong opinion other than if I see A, then I think you can equate it to B, right? If he's healthy and he looks like motivated and his heart is in this thing, then you can deduce that he's going to be a big problem and very likely your champion at the end of the season. Now the next guy that I'm going to bring up is the only person that I think could go dethrone a healthy and motivated Eli Tomac in this motocross championship, and that would be Dylan Ferrandez. If you look at Dylan Ferrandez' season last year, it was incredible. Over the course of 12 rounds, I think he won six races. I mean, he was just a force, right? And, and Kenny gave him a really serious fight at the beginning of the year. But once Ferrandez kind of got rolling, there wasn't a lot standing in his way at most rounds, right? Eli was, in my opinion, kind of deflated. He just didn't look that great many times. I mean, Southwick was just catastrophic. He, I think he was really unhappy at Monster Energy Kawasaki and was already looking ahead to this 2022 campaign. And Ferrandez just kind of had his way with the series. I mean, more times than not, there was really no one to even give him a challenge, especially down the stretch. So I think you're going to see that same Dylan Ferrandez again. I think he is going to be able to be on that level again. And when he left the series, you know, two months ago almost, I think it was in preparation for all of this. Like he knew, okay, my wrist is not great. I'm not getting the results I want. This is frustrating. So let's pack it in. Let's go get healthy for a couple weeks. And then let's go really prepare for this motocross championship because he can salvage this entire season with another really strong summer. And he's going into this thing. I'm, I'm, I don't know if he's going to run the number one plate or how that all plays out, but he comes into this as the guy that everybody's going to be looking to is like, is he that same guy again? Because that was the question going into Supercross this year. You know, we did all these preview shows and, and there was so much conjecture about can Ferrandis replicate that level from last summer into Supercross. And there are a lot of people that were saying, yes, I was not there. I just had never seen him find consistency, different types of terrains, different types of tracks, stay off the ground, which is a huge part of it the way he was last summer. He's just never been able to do that in Supercross, and he wasn't able to do that this year either. I just don't think Supercross comes as easily to him. His manager, Jimmy Button, has, and, and both he and David Villeman have kind of echoed the same thing, is like motocross just comes more naturally to him. So I think you'll see him bounce back. I think you'll see him immediately back in podium contention, moto winning contention, and he will emerge as one of the you know, stronger title contenders. Everybody's a title contender going into round one. They all think they're going to win the championship this year, whether they have conviction in that belief or not. They all think they're going to do it. That's just who these guys are. They're all champions on some level. And when you're starting at zero, they're looking at it going, why not me? But I think at the end of the day, there are only a few that can really, you can really take seriously for several reasons. Age you know, speed, fitness, competitiveness, consistency, like they're all these things end up mattering quite a bit at the end of a season. And that's why some guys end up, you know, annually fifth or sixth 
at the end of the year, and some guys are, you know, in that championship fight. That's just how these things go, and there, there are reasons for it. It's not just chance. There are reasons why the same guys end up at the top of the point sheets each and every year. One of those guys where he could be there, but there are a lot of question marks that could also put him fifth, or they could put him out of the series. That could easily happen too, is Ken Roxon. And me personally, I expect him to come out swinging. I could see him being your winner, leaving Paula. Now, am I saying he's definitely going to? No. But I think it's very possible. I think he wins one of the first couple of rounds, one of the first two or three rounds, I really do. Um, you know, temperature shouldn't be too terrible. I think we're probably going to be about 80 degrees on this Saturday. You know, we go up to Sacramento the following weekend. Shouldn't be too crazy. Like, you know, beginning of June, I would say it's probably going to be pretty moderate. And then, you know, Thunder Valley for round three is, is always fair weather too. And then even High Point, round four, you very rarely see, you know, tough, humid, hot conditions. So it all plays out really well for Kenny at the beginning of these series. And that's why you see him do so well. He comes in rested. It's not very hot. It's not as hard and physically demanding on his body, which we all know has, has been compromised from surgeries and injuries and you know, he's all, he's seems like he's always, always fighting some sort of immuno, immunodeficiency situation, right? It, which he's, I don't know that he's ever been fully transparent on. He's tried to fill us in, but I don't know exactly what those issues are. But as series go on, he suffers. That's just a fact that ha- we've seen it time and time again. Now, does that mean he can never win a championship again? No, I don't think so. But it, it does seem to get more and more challenging for him, and it gets more and more difficult. And that's the hard part is that some of these guys get better and better. Like, you know, when Tomac has been at his best, Ferrandis last summer, like, they just get stronger. Like, it's like the, the momentum gets rolling, and good luck knocking that momentum, you know, away from them. Where Kenny is kind of the other way, where he starts with his hair on fire, and then he has to really fight to maintain any sort of level that's even comparable to that. I don't think it's, I don't think he can maintain that same peak performance. I just don't think that's going to happen for him for a multitude of reasons, which I just covered, but even something that's even close, I think is a big challenge for him. Like he, he could come out and win these first three rounds and I would just shrug my shoulders. Hey, he could win all three overalls and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like he's that good. But at round nine, round 10, round 11, you know, when we're at Bud's Creek and it's 95 and humid, which it very likely could be, that's where Kenny has a really tough time because we've gone through a couple of months of racing. It's brutally hot. You're worn down. Everybody's been traveling and just beating the hell out of your body for a couple of months. That's where it takes its toll on Kenny. And I just don't know without a lot of help, right? He needs Tomac to be off his game, whether it's that's health or he just doesn't want to be there or whatever, take your pick. But he needs Tomac to be weakened somehow. He needs Ferrandis to not be the same guy he was last year. He needs none of these other guys to take the next step forward that we're going to get into. He needs a lot of help from a lot of different people, in my opinion, to end up being your champion. I don't go as far as Steve where I'm not saying he can't win or he's not going to win. I I don't want to do that because I think Kenny is just too good to say that about. I will side with him a little bit and say 
he needs a lot of help from a lot of different arenas and a lot of variables. And he just needs, he needs so much to go his way to be champion again in this series. It's not impossible. Some of these guys, I think it's almost damn near impossible, right? And, and that's just because I've seen too much over too many seasons and I just know what they're going to do. Roxon's not that guy. I just think he needs a lot of help to get there. Some of these other guys, which I'm kind of alluding to, I wonder how they're going to fit in. I almost want to say I know what they're going to do, but you're always surprised, right? New bikes, new seasons, guys mature. They're coming into their own, right? And, and we're t- I'm talking about Anderson, Barsha, and Sexton really in this group. And you just don't know what, you know, how is Anderson going to be? Like, this is the best Supercross season I believe he's ever had. And that's topping a championship year in 2018. He was so good this Supercross season. Does that translate to motocross? I don't know. Now, I think he's going to be fast. Like, it's not like he forgot how to ride. But is he going to be arguably, or I would say even inarguably, the fastest guy on multiple weekends? I don't know. That's asking a lot. Um, I don't know that I've ever been able to say that about Jason Anderson at Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. So that's a big jump that he's got to try to take. I think he can. I really do. Um, this guy is, uh, was a prodigy at motocross his whole life, right? He didn't grow up racing supercross. He raced motocross, and he was incredibly good at it. Now, to go out and beat the best guys in the world in the harsh con- harshest conditions, that's going to be a challenge he's never been able to conquer. I'm not ready to say he can't yet. I just don't, I don't know. I, it's a, that's a really big ask. I've seen it in Supercross, but you got to remember Supercross conditions and everything about it are just totally different. But again, I've never seen Jason Anderson this good either. So maybe he takes that dramatic of a step up in motocross as well, which would be awesome. That would bring a lot to the series to add another contender to the Rocks and Ferrandis Tomac front. Barsha, I'm a little bit more confident in what we're going to see from Barsha just because he's been around so long and there's not this huge variance in his results. Like it's pretty steady Eddie over the years, right? Good starter, fights like hell for his position, gets really aggressive with guys at times, but gets solid results. And then at the end of the season, you look up and Barsha's third or fourth in points. That's like almost how it always goes because he's just always there He'll have his good weekends where he gets on the podium. He'll be fighting for a moto win, and you're like, damn, Barsha's so good. And then the other weekends, he'll be four, five, six, seven. You know, like nothing spectacular, but not awful. He's not DNFing races. He's not crashing out. And if he does crash, he gets up and, and brings it home inside the top 10. And that's how he ends up fighting for a podium finish in the series each year, just like he did in Supercross this year. Were there a ton of weekends you're like, damn, Barsha is so good this weekend? Not really. Like he was pretty good, but it wasn't like he was out there winning a bunch. But then you go into Salt Lake and he and Mookie are battling for third in the championship. And we know the penalty and all that, but realistically, he was in that fight for third in the championship. That's just what he does. He just kind of lulls you to sleep and just racks up points and racks up points. He doesn't miss races. He doesn't DNF motos. And then he ends up with a really solid series result. So that's what I think we're going to see more of, again, from Barsha. This is what he always does. Why would I expect that to be any different this year? Chase Sexton, he's a guy that I have questions about. Can he go fast? Yes. Do I expect him to be your fastest qualifier on certain weekends? I do. Can he translate that into overall wins? 
I don't know, right? He won Paula last year, and he's won motos at Paula before. So it's not like he can't get it done. I know he can. And I, and I think he comes out swinging this weekend at a track that he has proven to be very, very good at. The question is, as the season rolls on, does he lose that fire and that ability to run at the front and to be winning? Because that's what we've seen in the past. And he needs to be able to sustain that level and carry it through other rounds. When we go to tracks like Southwick, we go to tracks like Bud's Creek, uh, and I'm just naming random rounds, he needs to be on that same championship you know, tip of the spear, like that level, right? He's got to be that sharp. I don't know if he can or not, but I'm just laying out the things that from the outside I see if he wants to be champion in this class. And of course he does, right? That's his, his goal going in and all the, you know, all the bicycle rides and laps and driving to the track and laying in bed at night, staring at the ceiling and all these things. That's what he's thinking about. That's, it's just, it's consumes your life. Like for these guys, like I've been around it. I've seen it. I know how these guys operate and that's what you think about all the time. It's what drives these guys. I don't know if he's there yet or not, though. I, I, I see some things. He, he still needs to remove the crashes. He needs to improve some consistency. He's got to win more. I, I'm a firm believer that to win in this class with this many guys that can all – you've got to win a lot, right? You look at Ferrandez's season, he was winning a ton. I think he won six overalls. So if Sexton can find a way – come out, win Paula, which would be a huge first step, confidence-wise, set the tone, and then you look back after four rounds, and I like, to, I like to break these things out into three or four round runs, right? So you can do three or four, however you want to view it, and it may make sense to do every three. Like, you kind of wrap up this West Coast swing with Paula, Sacramento, and, and Thunder Valley, and then you see where you're at. Like, where, where am I? How am I looking? Like, is my level good enough? Am I too slow? Is my fitness not good enough? And you can make adjustments based off that as you swing to the East Coast, right? Because the weather's going to change, the dirt's going to change, the tracks are going to change. Do you need to make serious bike changes accordingly? So for Sexton, if he can have a really strong opening salvo of, of these first three rounds, maybe that catapults him and propels him forward to the next level where he wants to be at, which is like every weekend we're going in thinking, yeah, Sexton's going to be hard to beat this weekend, right? Because right now I'm, I'm not there. Well, I shouldn't say that because I am there for Paula. But when we get to halfway through the series and we're headed to Unadilla or, you know, even I guess prior to that even, I don't know that Sexton's going to be the first guy I think about when we're heading to Unadilla. And I'm like, who's going to be good this weekend? Like, who, who is everybody worried about? I don't think that Sexton is that guy for me right now. Now he could prove me wrong. That's, that's what he's got to do. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is he's got to change that narrative. But right now I'm just not really there. Now the next two arguably have the biggest storylines of this entire season. And I don't think it's because they're coming in and everyone's going, these are your champion, right? This is the battle for the championship. I just think it's such a, they're unique stories that are fun to talk about. They bring a ton of excitement and uh, suspense and more questions and just overall like this is going to be cool type feeling and that's Tony Cairoli and Ryan Dungey and me personally I think Cairoli is going to come in hot I think he you know the rumors of him 
retiring and, and falling off, not training, not being prepared. I don't think any of that will ring true. Uh, you got to remember this guy was like winning at winning level six months ago, right? So he probably took a little time off, but he's been riding the whole time and he hasn't forgot what the pace is like. He knows. I, I was in Italy in November watching him. Like, trust me, he knows how to go fast. He's not over the hill. And maybe, okay, maybe he's not at the level he was three years ago. It's fair, right? He's like 37 years old or whatever. I understand. But I'm, I'm telling you, the way he, he's such a good starter, he's so mature and smart and worldly. He's, he's raced all over the world. So this move to you know, race in the U.S. is not going to be a big deal. I mean, he's won U.S. GPs. He knows how to race in California all these boxes that most guys have to check that are really difficult transitions, he's done them all. He's done all those things. So the only thing I think that's really going to hold Cairoli back is just, has his heart been in this for the last three months? If it has, I think you're going to see Cairoli really, really good this summer, especially early on. But if he's kind of been, if he's been hanging out and taking this kind of, you know, putting in a half effort, riding some, hanging out at the lake some, or, you know, at, he lives right by the ocean uh, outside of Rome. I just don't know what his approach has been. Has he been as serious as he has been for the last 20 years? I hope he has, because if he has, he's going to bring a lot to this series and he's going to give these guys all that they want. I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen him ride a lot over the last few years, and he's, he's incredible, especially if you give him some confidence. And he, I think if you, he gets out there and he's like, man, these guys aren't, they're not Jeffrey Hurlings. Like, I can beat these guys, or at least I can be in the mix with them. I think he will, uh, he's going to add a lot of excitement to it. So we're going to learn a lot the first weekend. You know, I don't think anybody truly knows, maybe outside of him, he knows the effort he's put in or not put in. But we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. But I would expect to see, uh, see more than maybe some are expecting. I just don't think he approaches these things and takes series lightly. I don't think he's going to make his one trip over here to race Lucas Hill Pro Motocross and half-ass it. Why would you do that? You know, a guy with a legacy like he has, with everybody's going to be looking at him. You know, the whole MXGP crowd all the riders, all the fans are like, right, you know, their hopes are resting on Tony to do well because he's representing them. I just can't see somebody like Tony not putting in the work. I just don't, I don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be, I'll have to come on this podcast and, and apologize for, but I, I think he's, I think he's going to be ready because I'm looking at it from knowing him. And I'm also looking at it from my own perspective of how would I want to do this? I wouldn't want to come over here and embarrass myself. He's a nine-time world champion. You don't come over here to a new series and race new guys without being ready. Speaking of that, remember how bad Ryan Villapoto did? You don't think Tony remembers Ryan coming over there and getting beaten, beaten badly because he was un unprepared? He was like 15 pounds heavier than he was the prior year. I remember it. I'll never forget it because I was so hyped for Ryan to go over there at the level that I knew Ryan was at in 2014 and he didn't take that level at all and it i'm still a little pissed about it i don't blame him like he was making all the money in the world he just did it because of contractual reasons there are a lot of things behind the scenes why he went to europe but for tony he doesn't have to be there so if you don't have to be here and you're and you're doing it because you want to do it 
then why would you not do it correctly? So we'll see. On the Ryan Dungey side, I think I have more questions because he has not raced this series and he hasn't raced professional motocross since 2016. Think about that. 2016. That is so, that's a lifetime in this sport. And I think the level has improved. I think the intensity has gone way up. I think what the bikes will allow you to do, they just, you know, continue to improve. And Ryan's gotten older. It's not like the Ryan Dungey from 2016 was frozen in time and we're going to reinsert him into this series. That's not how this works. He is older. He has gone through life changes. I can't imagine he's as fit as he was then, both on a biological level and just how much work, like compounded work. And that's, that's a very underrated part of this equation is that season after season after season of work, 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 where Ryan was healthy all that time, you get better and better and stronger and fitter and your fitness base becomes more solid. And you just are able to, you know, base off of that and propel forward and propel forward and you get stronger and better. And I lived through that. I know what that's like. And when you start back, I don't say from zero because Ryan's a super fit guy and always has been, but when you have to rebuild all of that riding fitness and strength that it's going to take to do 70 minutes at the very top, right? Which is what he wants. Like, I think he's saying the right things, but I, I feel very strongly that he wants to come in and win. He doesn't really know much different than that. That's all who he's ever been is the guy that comes in and he's here to win. And if you're not on the podium or winning, then you're failing. And that's going to be tough because these guys are not going to be messing around and the pace is, is really fast and the intensity is really high. And maybe he surprises me. Maybe he just blows my mind. He comes out and he's on the podium and I have to just eat my words. But from every time I've ever seen this happen with a long way off and, and make no mistake, six years away from a series, is a long way off. <laughs> it's about as long as we've ever seen. I think it's going to be tougher than he thinks. And uh, I'm, I'm saying that now. That doesn't mean he won't get sixth or fifth or eighth. It doesn't mean any of that. I'm saying for him to go out there and battle for Randis Rocks and Tomac, those guys, that's asking a lot. It's asking a lot for him to jump right back in to the level he was at in 2016, just flip a switch, six years of being away, and you're just going to get right back into the very top level in the world. Even saying that sounds crazy. So uh, doing it might be a whole different thing too. So we'll see. The last note I have on the 450 class is uh, I saw Marvin was out riding last week, riding motocross. I don't think he's scheduled to line up, but it wouldn't shock me at all, right? He's in California. I'm sure KTM wants all the KTMs out there they can get because this year has been just catastrophic for them. Nothing really went right other than Marvin's success in the 450 class. I mean, they haven't had Jeffrey Hurlings overseas. They haven't had much of anything to really celebrate this year at all. So I could see them giving Mike, or excuse me, Marvin a, a bike and letting him go out there and see how it goes. Because what if he goes out there and wins? What if he goes out there and gets top three? He's capable of that. I, I truly believe that. I, I could see him getting a podium if he lined up at Paula this weekend. And then maybe the powers that be are like, hey, dude, you got to stay in this thing. Like we need results from orange bikes and we need them now. So uh, I hope he does because he brings nothing but positives to the series. It's just another contender that we would be adding. So we'll see. It, it was surprising to see him out motoing last week. Maybe he was just testing and see how he felt, right? And then they'll make a, 
they'll make a judgment call this week. So 250 class, I think Jed is the favorite. Pretty obvious going in. He's your defending champion. Really, the only guy to give him a lot of trouble last year was Jeremy Martin, and he's not He's not starting the series. I don't know if he'll be back at all. I, I doubt it kind of with him switching to Club MX now. So how do you get around Jet being the favorite? I just don't even know if that's possible. Um, you know, the, the guys that could make it interesting, and if, you know, Jet isn't your champion, who is it? It's Hunter. It's Justin Cooper. And the only reason I don't have Justin Cooper as much more relevant is because he's been hurt. You know, if Justin Cooper had a good Supercross season and was coming into this ready, healthy, all those things, then I have him right there with Hunter, or excuse me, with Jet. I think maybe I have Jet like a 60-40 favorite, but I, I would have Justin Cooper very, very relevant in this title chase. But when you sit out this long, I mean, I don't think he's ridden. He, he just started riding in recently, right? We know that, but he's been out a really long time. And his foot injury was not great. Like, I, I think it took much longer to heal than he originally kind of planned on. So what kind of lingering effect does that have? How long does it take him to get back up to, you know, the fitness level that he needs to be at to win? I'm not saying just get in shape. I'm saying be at the level it, to beat Jet Lawrence for 70 minutes. That, that's a completely different thing than just getting back into shape. So I have many more questions than I do answers for Justin Cooper. I think the speed will come back quickly. I think the starts will be there again, no problem. But 20 minutes in, the first couple of rounds, how does he feel? Is he tired, right? Because if he's got guys all over him, Hunter and McAdoo and Shimoda and take your pick, whoever, right? Whoever you think is going to be good in this series, and they're all over him at 23 minutes in, that's where it's really tough to hold that peak level of your speed and you've got just guys swarming all over of you, like trying to saw your front end off, that's where it gets really hard. Your heart rate's blowing up and, you, and you've been sitting on the couch for three or four months before you started training again. Like that's where it re will really show up in the results. I'm not saying that's what's gonna happen. I'm just saying that's what these guys have to face. Those are the most difficult parts to, uh, to overcome is in the heat of the battle when it's late and you're hot and you're tired and your body's just not where it was a year ago. He is not, I don't think it's, any stretch to say he's not as fit right now as he was a year ago. And that's, that's the tough part. That's what he has to overcome. Uh, so remember, right, Paula has attracted these guys right all the time. And whether it's 250, 450, don't get faked out by results that you see this weekend because they're more than likely going to change. Now, will Fernandez, Tomac, Roxon, Jet, Cooper, those guys be good all year? Of course, right? But if you see some outlier, if you see Jason Anderson come out and get second this weekend, I'm not going to go all in. Same thing for Sexton. If you see Sexton go 2-1 for the overall this weekend, you won't hear me crowning him as champion. And maybe I'll be wrong. That's okay. But the Southern California tracks to start the season – aren't always indicative of how a series is going to go. There are too many other tracks. The weather changes. The dirt changes. Guys find their outdoor legs after a long Supercross season. They kind of come into their own. The trends all change. Like, guys get worn out throughout a season. They can't sustain that level. Like, there are a lot of things that play out over 12 rounds. So that's my only advice to you is just don't, right? If you're, if you're betting your friends or you have fantasy leagues or whatever, 
whatever that uh, application may be, don't let the, the opening round of the track that these guys practice that all the time, right? If they're guys that live in California, star used to practice there every Tuesday, every single Tuesday, these guys have ridden this track a million laps. It's like a home track from a lot of these guys. So you can't base what you're going to see an entire season on off of a track that these guys have all ridden that much, because when they go to a track, they don't know all the variables change, all the trends change. Some, some bikes and some setups are better you know, at hard pack track, like this track will be pretty hard pack. It'll be pretty blown out. I think when it's 80 degrees on Saturday afternoon, it's going to be hard and dusty. Ruts will all be hardened up by the last moto. Well, guess what? When we go to Redbud, it's going to be loamy, soft, ruddy, tons of traction. Like all those things change. And it's, it's not fair to draw conclusions from the first round. I don't believe just from what we see at the first round. So that's it for today. Again, thank you to all of our sponsors, Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Works Connection. Check out that Pro Launch Start device from Works Connection. Fast Foundry. Thanks to Robert Caracos. I'm at Salt Lake. Didn't get to spend as much time with him as I wanted, but a great company there, Fast Foundry. Idaho based as well. Love that. Uh, I mentioned Plum Creek Funding. Go get your house refi. Like rates are going up fast, and they're they're not going to slow down, in my opinion, for a while. So there's still a little bit of time to do something about it. But a lot of the windows been missed. But if you are looking to buy, Zach can walk you through the best scenarios now at Plum Creek Funding. Guts Racing, uh, check out the RJ Wide Wing Seat. You'll see, uh, hopefully, RJ Hampshire running around up front in this uh, 250 class. He's a guy that could challenge Jet. But we all know with RJ, it's consistency. So hopefully, for the sake of Guts Racing, uh, RJ is running around up front. Pirelli has that new range of Scorpion MX32 Midsoft mini tires. So if you or your child has a mini bike and you're getting ready for Loretta's regionals are coming up. Check out that MX 32. It's the tire I raced on front and rear in the outdoor championship. It's the tire that Tony Cairoli will likely be running this very weekend. Uh, and I, I have more news on that MX 32. Uh, I just can't quite share it yet. So give me a couple of weeks and I'll have more news on that range of tires as well. Uh, check out Grandstone Boots. Thank you to them for always making me look sharp. Got to wear those at the banquet on Saturday night for Western Power Sports. Pro Glow Wash, promo code MOTO15. Is this, I'll have a, a question of the week next weekend when we review the Paula race and, of course, Fly Racing. So that's it. Thank you to everybody. We'll have, uh, we'll have more racing next weekend. We'll have, I think, MXGP's back. We'll have Paula. We should have a MotoGP. We'll have some F1. We'll have all kinds of things. So I just wanted to get a little fill-in episode this week and uh, give you guys something to listen to as we roll into Paula. See ya.